What's up, guys? And we're back for another episode of the Trent Collars podcast. My guest today was Dr. Athena Laz. She's a spiritual dream teacher, depth psychologist, author of The Alchemy of Your Dreams and The Deliberate Dreamless Journal. We had an excellent conversation. I really enjoyed it. I was utterly captivated um, throughout the entire thing. And I kept it a little short because I think that there's a lot to unpack in what was said. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. I certainly did. Let's get into it. We're live. Dr. Laz, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for the invitation. I'm excited to speak to you. Yes, ma'am. So I was really curious. Um, you're South African, correct? Yes. So I'm originally from South Africa, um, but I'm stateside now. Okay, excellent. What was the religious or spiritual background for the area you grew up in? Like, obviously, in the West and in the United States, Christianity is the vast majority of the religious influence. I was curious what that was like for you growing up in South Africa. So South Africa is a very rich cultural country. So there are a lot of different cultures in one space. And so that obviously impacts the religious um, experiences that people have. Personally, growing up, my family was, is Greek Orthodox, but they're not religious. Um, but it was very traditional in the sense that we went to church and um, we followed a lot of traditional practices and um, I think the the main difference is that in my particular home, my father was a huge fan of Buddhism and my mother is incredibly, incredibly spiritual, I guess, in what most people would call new age, although she doesn't follow new age beliefs. But for example, like she's incredibly intuitive and um, she had experiences of astral projecting without knowing what it was when she was younger. And I think those things opened her mind. So my home was a very open place when it came to spirituality um, and it was very open in discussion in the household but not really when we went out into schools and place like you know other places um, but that was my personal experience not necessarily what I would say is a South African experience yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah I always find it very interesting uh, whenever I talk to people who are spiritual or into things like what we're going to talk about like dream work and stuff um, how they found their path to those practices and beliefs, um, because the vast majority of the time, I feel like it's not something that is ingrained in them from childhood. Usually it's overcoming uh, preconceived notions that are built in from like traditional religions and stuff like that, um, that block you from the initial belief in energy and the ability to dream and astral project and stuff like that. Um, so it's always very interesting to hear people's backgrounds. Right. And I think background, like you're saying, makes such a huge difference. You know, personally, I had a lot of stuff to rewrite um, in terms of being open about it while feeling comfortable to speak about things openly. Um, you know, so I've had like a lot of psychic experiences and things that um, sound incredibly woo-woo and they, you know, they do sound woo-woo if you're not um, open to it. And I think the more open you are, the more you tend to experience things. So it's a bit of a, um, you know, it depends on which way you look at it. It could be a vicious circle or a really great upcycle. Um, but I do think a lot of people need to um, decondition old beliefs so that new experiences can come in. Yep, absolutely. Perception is reality. And even if what I'm perceiving are perceiving is completely false it's helping me out and it's making me experience life on such a deeper and more profound level so it's like why would you not want to live within that perception either way 
So <laughs> why yeah, not? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes, ma'am. That's incredible. Um, so what led you to getting involved with depth psychology and dream work? So I've always been interested in the psyche, the mind, how things work. I am actually quite analytical by nature. I like to have, um, I like science and I like proof. And that kind of, you know, drew me towards psychology. But at the same time, I'm very deeply interested in spirituality and the broader realm of um, exactly like what you're saying, how we perceive things, how perception plays a role in our everyday experience. Um, and when I was sort of, I finished school, had no idea what to do. I actually enrolled in a business degree and I signed up, lasted about two months in the program, knew, fully fully knew that I was in the wrong place, but was so petrified because I had no idea like what, um, what to do, what my talents were, what I could offer. And so for me, finding psychology, finding specifically self-help or spiritual self-help really helped me on my own journey of personal growth so kind of what catalyzed it for me was a, an experience of synchronicity um I was I was working in a store and um one of the other girls who worked in the shop with me gifted me a Louise Hay book and her you know for most people sort of who are into self-help they will have heard of her work she is prolific and you know you can heal your life the powers within you and at the time when she wrote um well, when I read her book, it was the first time that the idea that I could control my reality to a certain degree, um, it was the first time that I had like heard of that. And it was such a like wow moment for me. So, and I only experienced that in my twenties, which I think is so late to experience that, but that reading that book. And then after reading it, after dropping out, I realized, okay, well, this is actually the path I'm meant to be on. I like working with people. I like psychology. I like the concept of it. And I love writing. Um, and so that kind of led me on the path, a bit of a long story, but that's how I got you. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah the, the gaslighting of our consciousness by equating things to coincidence, I think really inhibits us. When you start looking at synchronicity and opening yourself up to that possibility, it leads you down so many new and beautiful paths. I mean, that's what happened to me. I was a staunch atheist for a long, long time. And then uh, I just had such a moment of synchronicity in so many different aspects of my life convulging into this one moment where I was just like, okay. We need to take a step back, reassess, and see what's going on in the world. Um, and then, obviously, finding the work of Carl Young definitely opened my mind up and started to put me down the path to understanding some of these things. And then, in turn, that's how I stumbled across your book, um, which I thought was very fantastic um, and was really, really insightful. So I'm really glad that you dropped out of your business degree. <laughs> 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 Me too. Thank you, though. That's always nice to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. Um, so what is a dream in your own words? It's it's so funny that you asked me this because someone asked me about two days ago and I was trying to think about how can I actually answer this question? I think a dream is a lived experience. And I think that that's the best way I can answer that. I think it's live a lived experience. That's incredible. Yeah. I look at it as a pathway to alternate states of consciousness and 
eventually the access to different dimensions of consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what you said is fully what I agree with. And I think when I was thinking about this definition, because I've just finished doing a summit for the Shift Network, it was a huge dream summit. And someone asked exactly that question, what is a dream in your own words? And I mean, we could speak about dreaming for hours, right? Yeah. Hours and hours, at least I can. But, and so to try and condense it down into one little thing, and for me, it comes down to it. And I think the word lived experience might sound loaded, but really for me, if we are consciousness, if we are an experience of consciousness, and we take that into dreaming or the experiences that we have in life or sleep. And then if you are able to maintain awareness um, through lucid dreaming or lucid living, it really becomes a lived experience. And I guess lived is a loaded word because we take it to mean in waking life. But for me, I mean it as in if your consciousness is aware and awake, that is living. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't necessarily equate to the body for me. Um, so yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Lived experience in the sense that you're gaining access to all of the massive depths of the unconscious psyche that you don't interact with on the day-to-day basis, as well as the collective unconscious of every single human being intelligent life form around you that we can perceive and not perceive, and that we have never even been able to wrap our minds around the possibility of with interdimensional beings basically you know i really enjoyed uh learning about the hypnagogic and um the hypnopompic states uh, i'd never interacted with those terms before um and for anyone listening um the hypnagogic is the state between consciousness and dreaming it's sort of like you described it the alleyway um going into the dream state and then the hypnopompic is the reverse of that it's coming out um I found that to be really fascinating. And I found that that was where I was doing the majority of my inner work at was when I would go to bed, I would do active imagination. And then I would fall into that hypnagogic state without really understanding what it was. And then after reading your book, it really helped put that in perspective of what you were interacting with. Um, And if you would like to explain the entities that you can meet in those states and then in the actual dream state through dream symbolism and then also your spiritual guide so that that passageway the hypnopompic and hypnagogic states like you're saying are absolutely incredible and it really it comes down to experiencing it um firsthand i find as opposed to thinking about it so like you're saying when you a lot of people experience those states and don't know what's happening and it can be incredibly petrifying so for example the hypnopompic state is often associated with sleep paralysis and for anyone who's ever had that it you know you you are, you feel alert and awake, your eyes are actually closed, but you feel alert and awake, and you're seeing all sorts of imagery. And most of the time, for most people, it's incredibly frightening imagery. And you can't move your body because your uh, the hormones in your body haven't kicked back in after sleep. So you know, we need that to happen. So for most people, they go through the state completely unaware of what's happening. And it's incredibly terrifying. And the minute you can bring some awareness to it, you can understand like, okay, I'm coming out of the dream state where I wasn't um, actively aware. So you were dreaming, you weren't lucid dreaming, right? But somehow your awareness has 
woken up and now you find yourself in this passageway you're not fully awake you're not fully asleep you're not dreaming you're in the in-between and in that in-between space you you are are privy to images sounds um and and yes you can be privy to um what i believe are you know spiritual beings or other beings or other lucid dreamers um it, the the what you can meet and do in the dream world is incredible right so but for anyone who's listening to this and this is entirely new to them the best way to think about it is that like if i say to you your awareness is what catalyzes your experiences. But for most of us, our awareness is switched off. We move through our life 80% of, might say even more, 99% of the time we are on autopilot, right? And so this rarely equates to dreaming as well, where you just fall asleep. Most people will just fall asleep straight into dreaming. They don't realize that that passageway exists. So for you, you're doing active imagination work, which is incredibly rich and insightful and can, and will, alter your dreams right and then you're moving through the passageway into dreaming and you're trying to do that and you are doing that with conscious awareness with some form of lucidity right and so for most people what happens is there there isn't any awareness of that passageway but the minute you can become aware your entire world will change one i think the way you think about reality fundamentally changes um because your perception i think of what you think is waking life in the dream world shifts or for most people who I speak to that is what happens and two if you are able to do that specifically where you go to sleep and you have this intention to remain alert and aware and go through the passageway with conscious awareness right so you don't fall into dreaming you don't lose your awareness whilst you're sleeping you can then I feel like you are um, skilled enough, proficient enough to then clear out the dreamscape, you clear the space of psychological projections, and this is where I deviate from the Jungian um, concept of dream work, right? You move beyond image and symbol, you move beyond archetypes, you've cle cleared the space, and you're now in what is like a playground um, or another reality, another realm where you can meet people. So I've had experiences with guides. I've had experiences with other lucid dreamers. And that's something that I'm now um, going to teach in my dream weave, which is a nine month intensive. It's going to be a very small group of people and it's curated to teach people how to actively dream together. So the intention is that say you and I tonight, we decide, okay, we're actually going to meet up in the dreamscape. And we're going to have a shared lucid dream experience. We're going to use the passageway, the, the hypnagogic to get into it. And if not, try and spontaneously lucid dream. And we're going to meet up. And then on waking at a specific time, say like 9 a.m., we'll send our experiences to each other. And the idea is that through that experience, you meet each other, you have the shared experience because you're alert and lucid, and then you can share it in waking life. And so you can do that. That's a real thing. Um, it's not just me saying this. There are many, uh, you know, dream scientists out there saying this. So it isn't this like, I mean, it's, it sounds a bit woo-woo, but it isn't a entirely woo-woo concept. There is actually backing to it. And once you've had this experience, you are really open to explore whatever you want to do. So if you want to meet your guides, um, in the dream space, you can do that. If you want to meet other lucid dreamers, you can. I think there's also something here about having common sense um, in the dreamscape. I think a lot of people 
Um, I was speaking to someone the other day on another podcast and she had a lucid dream experience that was quite frightening. And I think because she wasn't a skill, skilled and proficient lucid dreamer, she didn't feel comfortable in managing her, herself in that space. And it's a little bit like waking life for me that like you should have some level of skill before you attempt something. And I think it doesn't need to be weeks and weeks or even years of training, but some backing so that you're comfortable that when you are interacting with something larger than you or with a potential spiritual guide or another being um you're interacting with them it's not play play you know it's an actual interaction and so I think there needs to be some common sense to that and that's just because of kind of my experiences that people have been telling me um you know that they've been having and so I just kind of want to preface that by saying that yeah absolutely I mean it can be very terrifying I'm not a very proficient lucid dreamer, but I am an incredibly avid dreamer and very vivid dreams. Um, so while I'm not really controlling the landscape, I'm definitely getting super rich symbolism and interaction with these archetypal figures or guides. And um, you can interact with things that are absolutely terrifying or bring up so much repressed trauma and memories that it just shatters you. You know, you can wake up just in tears or completely out of funk for that day. And if you're not paying attention to what's going on in the dream world, you're not going to have any idea of why you're off that day. Um, and then just the other depths of the psyche um, is in incredibly rich and deep, but also full of, I mean, monsters to, to say the least. So like you're saying, having a, having knowledge beforehand and then understanding what you're dealing with, um, because I think that if you start just diving into your mind or your dreams without any understanding of it, you could regress instead of progress down the right. path towards creating a higher consciousness. Definitely. And I think that the thing is, it's not to be afraid of it, because I'm a firm believer that also that you do see, I, I think we spiritually see what we prepared for, even though psychologically and emotionally, we sometimes don't feel ready. But I think that there is a skill set that you can learn that is incredibly helpful, that can help you navigate it, right? Um, so just from a psychological perspective, something like CBT, for anyone who's ever had anxiety or experiences deep anxiety, if you learn about something like, a, you know, a basic thing about cognitive distortions and how to rectify those there's something like 12 of them it will utterly change your life it will shift it completely because you've just been given you are given a toolkit that can help you navigate anxiety and for most for most people we're actually not given the toolkit we're not given the skill set to navigate things properly you know and so for dreaming when you're exploring the depths of your psyche say you come up with a shadow figure um, or the shadow in terms of a Jungian term. So I, I had an experience, a spontaneous lucid dream. And I, I shared this in my book, right? Where I was having a, I, I was actually having a nightmare and I was walking. I find myself walking down stairs and in the, the stairs were made out of bone. And I was acutely aware that stairs are not made out of bone it was weird weird imagery and I and the weird imageries kind of started started triggering the lucidity for me and all these people were grabbing at my ankles and they were grabbing at my legs and I was petrified in my dream I was so afraid and I heard this booming voice this disembodied voice in the dreamscape that shouted and said if you think they're scary imagine how frightening they'll be of you and, and so I was like, what does that even mean? And then I clicked that, okay, I'm lucid. This is a dream. This is a dream. But I, I at the time, I was still 
um, learn, like reacquainting myself with lucid dreaming. And I didn't have like a set action that I took in the lucid dreamscape, which now I actually do. But for, you know, so I'm finding myself in this dream and I'm now lucid. So I've gone from just having a dream into lucidity and this creature, this like dark figure, this literally kind of like the Dementors in Harry Potter. That's probably the best visual description that I can give. Not quite exactly, but something big and dark and very ominous started coming towards me and growling at me. And, you know, you'll, you know, in dreams, it's incredibly real. It feels incredibly real. In a lucid dream, that doesn't go away. It actually can feel quite heightened. And I managed to calm myself down so I didn't throw myself out of the dream. And, um, you know, I know being a therapist that you, you encompass what frightens you, you look at it, you try and bring it closer to you as opposed to avoiding it exactly like what you're saying, because otherwise you regress, you're repressing, right? So I thought, okay, I'm, I know that I can wake myself if I need to wake myself up. And this was all happening very quickly, you know, and this dark figure started to move towards me and I just opened up my arms and I said, okay, I, I love you. I love you. And this big dark figure creature actually just became smaller and smaller and smaller until it became this little like weird looking thing. It wasn't even a, you know, I don't even know how to explain it. And I just held it in my arms and I woke up crying from it. And so it was this incredibly psychologically moving process that, and very helpful. And I definitely was dealing with a whole lot of stuff that I hadn't unpacked and hadn't wanted to look at. And I took that into my waking life, which I think is also very helpful, right? Even if you have this beautiful um, dream experience and there is closure to it, there's some level of closure, nothing stops you from taking that into the waking day experience and fully integrating it. Um, and so that that shadow experience in a lucid dream was incredibly powerful for me, but it was incredibly frightening, um, but incredibly helpful. So I think it's a little bit of, yes, it, the, you, when you're looking at things deep in the psyche and specifically if, you, we, if we do use the terms like the collective unconscious, there's a lot of, I mean, if you look at the whole of humanity's history, um, there's potentially a lot of frightening things out there that you might be able to tap into. So I think having clear direction, having good intention, understanding why you're motivated to do dream work, what it, what it means for you personally, what you're trying to do for the collective as well. I think knowing why you're doing that is also very helpful. Absolutely. And that's part of the toolkit that you were mentioning. So for anyone listening out there, what are some of the other basic tools that they can start to employ to help them out in the dream state or to help them become more lucid in the dream state. Right. So the first thing is mindfulness and waking life. The more mindful that you become, the easier it becomes to, it organically carries through into dreaming. So if you find yourself just thinking on autopilot or taking action from a space of really not being present or you're slightly sort of dissociated, try and bring yourself back to the moment, back to where you are and just bring awareness to the, your surroundings, you know? So I have a microphone in front of me, I'm sitting on a chair. I know the windows behind me, the cats on the couch, basic things like that that seem simple are very helpful when it comes to lucidity and if we look at um tibetan buddhism the idea right lucid dreaming is really linked to dream yoga which is really linked to enlightenment and dying with conscious awareness and so 
lucidity isn't just about dream work. It's really about a process and practice and way of living. And for some people, even a way of dying, right? So the basic skill set is to become mindful. And then I think what's very helpful is to just work with your regular dreams. Exactly like you're saying, most of us will not have lucid dreams every single night. I don't even have a lucid dream every single night. And this is my work, you know? So you've got to look at the symbols, the dreams that come to you every night. And if you can do that, if you can work with that imagery and what's coming um, through to you in the dream world just by dream journaling or even just thinking about it and talking about it that really in itself begins to shift the dynamic between you and your own psyche and you and your own dreams regular and lucid dreaming because you've you're paying attention to it and I think the more you pay attention to something the easier it gets and the more it shifts it's very much like having imagine you do have this um, you know, this, this source of guidance and well-being speaking to you all the time, all the time, but you ignore it for like 20 years, eventually that source is going to become quieter and quieter. But when you begin to pay attention, you say, hey, I'm actually listening to this. I'm, I'm ready to overcome this obstacle. I'm ready to do this dream work. I'm ready to become lucid. You've shifted something already within the psyche, and the psyche as a system is whole and self-regulating. That's something that Jung gave the entire world. Your psyche knows what to do. It knows how to get into balance. So even for people who don't pay attention to their dreams, their dreams are still doing what they need to do. But it's like you only you're not helping yourself, you know, but, you know, someone might have, I always like to share this dream. I had a client once who I worked with who, who was an addict and he was incredibly addicted, right? And it, it wrecked his life. It ruined his life. And he finally got to a place of remaining sober and clean. And he had a dream where he, actually it was a repetitive dream. And he's let me share this with the world. So there's no problem here in terms of sharing his story. I just want to say that as well. But anyway, so he had this repetitive dream where he kept driving up a really steep hill um, going up an upper mountain and in the dream he'd find himself incredibly frightened and overwhelmed knowing he had to get to the top of the hill but he would look out the car window and just see this like sheer drop and his dream actually frightened him enough for him to stay sober so it sounds a bit strange that this nightmare could come and you know, potentially wreck his restful evenings, but it really helped him at the time when he was bordering on going back to behaviors that just felt so normal. And so he had this dream, like he's trying to get to the top of the hill. He's trying to hit the wellness and wholeness that he wanted to reach and kind of restore his life to a better place. And he just had that, the this like, I guess this critical point that he was either going to make it and he was going to do it, or he was going to fall right back. He was going to drop off that cliff. And he saw that imagery and that imagery spoke to him in a way that I couldn't speak to him, that his parents, his family, his friends couldn't, his psyche knew how to speak to him. And it, it shifted it entirely because he understood the message. Um, you know, he woke up knowing like, oh, I, I get it. That's exactly what it is. My life, I'm going to die. If I don't, if I don't get to the top of the hill, I'm going to die. And so maybe that dream in that shape and form for me might not be the, you know, um, right for right now but for him it was the exact right message and what he needed and his psyche was very much moving towards wholeness and balance and trying to get him there and I think that's also something that maybe is a narrative that needs to change in the west that our minds are not against us our psyche is not against us and I think a lot of the time there's sort of an implicit premise that 
you know, we, we're fighting anxiety, we're overcoming obstacles, we're doing all these things, but really they're just experiences, you know, full experiences on the pathway of being human. And it's about adapting, I think, as opposed to conquering, but that's just my opinion about it. Absolutely. Um, going back to, so setting intentions, setting intentions definitely really helped me if I actually set the intentions to have dreams become lucid, remembered them upon waking. That was like something that really started to help me out. And then journaling right when I wake up, trying to keep all that fresh in my mind. But where I was going at with that is clearing up the blockages in our psyche or the energy flow throughout our body, whatever the case is, we're so closed off to the very prospect of it that we can't even tap into some of this energy or this divine source knowledge, whatever the case is. So even just simply setting an intention, you're already clearing up some of those blockages to be able to interact with these energy flows. And then how he had that dream. Um, I've had dreams similar to that. I'm sure you have. I'm sure anyone who does real dream work has. That is like the one of the fundamental things that really led me to start believing in the true divinity of consciousness and how on an individual level, we all maintain, not to say God, big G in the sense of like the Judeo-Christian God, but we all have God within us trying to guide us through the path of life. And if you just stop, open yourself up to that, you'll realize that depression, anxiety, whatever the case is, a lot of that isn't you fighting your psyche. It's your psyche trying to give you warnings that something you're doing in your life is really wrong and that you need to make changes in accordance with what it's trying to show you. That's right, right. And I love that the way you said it, the divinity of consciousness, because that is something that I think also that the minute you touch base with it in a real way, your life fundamentally shifts because it's you go from well, at least for me, I went from thinking about it to experiencing it. And that was very helpful for me because it's an, well, I guess it's an embodied place of knowing. And I think that that really can help, um, you know, if you, if depression comes up because something in your life is out of whack, the, your, I guess you could call it your inner being, the divinity within you, your pathway to wholeness. You know, it doesn't even necessarily need to be a spiritual thing, but the pathway to wholeness is intrinsic and innate. And there's a way back to it, but it often requires getting very quiet and listening. And I think that can feel very uncomfortable if you are in the throes of change or pain or suffering, um, because you're moving closer towards it as opposed to, like we were saying earlier, pushing against it. Um, so yes, I fully agree with you. Absolutely. Do you believe in parapsychology or the ability for us to achieve a state of consciousness perhaps through lucid dreaming to achieve things that we would consider magic or of the otherworldly. So say like how you were talking about lucid dreaming, being able to communicate with people across long distances, the eventuality of us to evolve our consciousness and evolve these practices to make that a common thing. And then eventually get to a place where we can use that as a form of communication not only with ourselves and with the divine but with each other and potentially unlock other um yeah. i was going to say astral projection astral projections, um 
precognitive abilities. Definitely. I definitely believe in that. I think it's incredibly interesting. I think it's the forefront of consciousness. And um, I think that, you know, I, I probably would have gone into parapsychology if in South Africa it had been offered. Um, you know, so for me, it was merely like it, it just actually wasn't an option, I guess, in terms of studying it or you know taking it as a professional pathway but I guess I do that anyway don't you don't really need to <laughs> um you know you don't necessarily need university to actually heighten your consciousness you most certainly don't right <laughs> um but I definitely think you can and I think that it's interesting I think what we think is magic is actually fully being in alignment with non-resistance and that's something that's very much coming up for me um lately the more and more that I experience things and I see things that are hard to explain to other people um you know and they don't have logical exp explanations maybe not yet the the science hasn't hasn't caught up I think that the more you do this kind of work and the more open you are the easier it becomes to have very very interesting experiences so for example I was speaking to um, another dream teacher and she was telling me about how when she's a she her and her sister slept in the same room when they were children and it, she and her sister had shared dreamed dream experiences for something like four or five years and they didn't realize that other people didn't dream together and she right so she only she said that she went to school and she was about eight and she she had this experience she was in a classroom and she was telling everyone that like her and her sister this is what they did last night this was the experience of it and they she was very much shamed about it they kind of they they made her keep quiet about it because you know we don't share dreams we don't go to the same dream spaces and so that was the reaction that she was met with but if we just look at that right that you can have a shared dream experience that opens up so many questions where are we going to what is reality if I can send you a message in a dream and yes you can and not even in a dream I'm sure if we actually just sat here and and quieten the mind could get into a receptive state of being um, that you definitely can meditate and have communication with other people I don't know why that feels so out there for so many people but that to me feels actually quite normal makes sense to me there's so many stories and experiences buddhism has so much to offer us in terms of um higher states of consciousness and the stories that come with it you know there's a lot of stories that well stories it's the wrong word experiences that people have um, that very much lead to what we would call parapsychology in the West, and they would just view as a spiritual growth element. It's just expanding your spiritual ability to perceive the non-ordinary realms of existence. Um, you know, so something like the rainbow body is a very interesting concept that most of us will, I guess, in the West will view it as a concept, but it's actually very much a heightened experience of consciousness um and so how much time do you have we could talk about this for hours <laughs> i have nothing but time i was gonna ask you to explain the rainbow body i have not come across that yet but i'm very interested to hear what it is 
So for the in Tibetan Buddhism, and I'm I'm not a Buddhist, right? So if there's a Buddhist listening to this and they can offer a better explanation, please just you know drop it in the comments and know that this is coming from a good place. Um, but in essence, the rainbow body is when Buddhists practice to die in such a conscious way that their body um, minimizes and they die and they leave their body, but they don't die in the normal sense. I have to send you pictures. I don't know how else to explain <laughs> it. I'm most certainly not doing yeah. it justice by explaining it verbally. But And so that is a state of consciousness that is meditated upon. It is practiced so that that way of being that way of dying can happen and the rainbow body so i've had the pleasure of speaking speaking to some incan shamans recently and they are very very i mean they're dream teachers that is what you know shamanism is if you are a dream teacher you are a shaman or dream walker should i say probably more accurate and for her, she was telling me that the it's not the rainbow body, but it's the rainbow bridge. And it has a lot of parallels because it links to the chakras, it links to the energy body. But they, that is a bridge of consciousness that you can directly travel on to go anywhere, anywhere. So it's very, very interesting. And that's how they do their healing. They travel on the rainbow, um, rainbow yeah. bridge and they'll come and, you know, they'll be able to tell you where you're sitting um, what you were doing and and that's quite I mean I guess we'd call that astral projection but it goes further than that yeah absolutely that's incredible that was something that I found really fascinating when I started looking into shamanism and stuff like that I read a book called the cosmic serpent oh man the the gentleman who wrote it his name is really escaping me now um, but it was a really beautiful book I highly recommend it to anyone but he was talking about shamanism in the Amazon and how they have access to this knowledge that our chemists and our biologists have no idea how they have knowledge of this because it's something that they're just recently discovering through science where these people are actively sitting there telling you this is how it is and they've gotten this through dream work and ayahuasca different psychedelic trips and stuff like that where they've communed with these higher beings or higher knowledge and this is how they understood it so opening my mind up to that and then looking at the breath of shamanism and how you were saying that they're dream teachers, they're dream workers. This is such a widely renowned concept that it shouldn't, how you were saying things are like woo woo, like for, for Westerners, especially Americans, um, whenever we say woo woo, it, I always laugh and I, I get a little chuckle out of it. Cause I'm like, if we explained our ideals to basically anyone else, they would be like, what? what are you talking about? How you're saying it's just, it's a normal everyday aspect of their life to interact with these levels of consciousness that we're so shut off from, um, that it's, it's really baffling that we have closed ourselves off to immense areas of human capability that have been around for, I mean, since the a very existence of consciousness, I would say. Um, I mean, you can look at any culture, Native American, uh, South American, South African, Australian, the Aborigines in Australia that had knowledge of the cosmos that they gained through dreams that when people discovered them and discovered their knowledge of the universe, they're like, how do you guys, how do you have this knowledge? And they basically were like, we interact with our dreams and with these higher level beings. And this is what we were told um, and just the reductionist mindset 
of of westerners and uh through science that we just completely negate that and try to find a worldly material explanation for it i think really shuts us down to the to the true possibilities of what human beings can be Right. I, I fully agree with you. And I think that it's interesting to me because I think if we look at it, well, if I look at it from a broad perspective, I think that the world needed the West to do that. Right. I think we needed science. We needed modern medicine. We needed the avenue of reductive thinking, but we most certainly don't need it now. It's actually cause it not, you know, maybe not to wipe it out entirely. That's definitely not what I'm saying. What I think we need is actually emerging. We need emerging uh, and a remembrance. We need to remember that when you work with higher states of consciousness, when you're connected to divinity in whatever shape or form that means for you, I'm not talking about a religious doctrine here, that, that sense of inner being and coming into contact with something that is ineffable, I guess, um, coming back to something like that, and at the same time, growing and merging the two. So we're taking modern science with ancient knowing and creating a new pathway. I think that I believe that's how the world will actually heal. Because I think that it's, and it's so funny because the Incan shamans that I was speaking to, they're very much a community of dreamers, right? But they were saying how so much of their world, the their land, literally the land has been completely obliterated because they never learned how to really adapt in a modern world with money, with economics. And this is coming from them, right? The, this, is, this is not me saying this or projecting it on top of their experience. And so I think if I look at it, I think, well, they need more of that in our modern current time and day they need to come a little bit higher to that and we need to go and become more connected to what we know you know and I think connecting with high states of consciousness what happens is you begin to wake up I have never met anyone who say has meditated for 10 years who's decided to just not be of a state of awareness and consciousness anymore I've never, I'm sure there's probably one or two people out there. There will be someone listening to this who will say me, me, me. Okay. Besides <laughs> that person, because when you, you know, when you are coming from a state of high awareness, when your life stops being so reactive and you're no longer a victim of things around you or a, a very unconscious victim of experiences around you. And I think that's one of the greatest things that consciousness can give us or learning how to become more aware, um, you know, learning to pay attention to the unseen and um, what we can't necessarily define right now, but we can experience, we most certainly can experience it, that you know, if we can pay attention to that and you start to see the benefits, if you, you know, in your everyday waking life, it just takes a few people getting started for a, mo a mo like a momentum to happen, you know, a collective momentum to happen. Um, and so I think we in those times now, I think collectively people are waking up and they are waking up because they've had enough. People are tired of feeling bad. People are tired of being depressed. People are tired of feeling worried about politics, feeling like things are way out of their control. And the way to personal freedom in that way is not necessarily your outside um, controlling outside things, but it's beginning to control what you can internally and then realizing how, well, in, my, in my opinion, how we co-create everything. 
we are co-creating things. And I think the more awareness you have, the less it becomes, you know, you're less at the whim of things, even though there's still an element of mystery. It's a divine paradox, I guess. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that was beautiful. Um, yeah, like you were saying, just reaching that harmonious balance. That's what I found. And one of the best lessons that I really took from Eastern philosophy and learning about spirituality and stuff like dream work, shamanism and everything is creating that harmonious balance in all the aspects of your life. Because I found that in basically everything, I was always to use kind of a colloquial term, like a little too far left or a little too far right, you know? And once I started trying to bring things back into the middle and create that, that nice balance between things, my life just got better. Things in my life got better. My relationships got better. The universe providing for me got better. Things just started working out naturally. Um, so definitely not taking what we've learned through Western society, through that more masculine outlet outlook on life, and just discarding that, it's taking the lessons and the gems from that and then merging it with that ancestral knowledge of spirituality and the divine and these other realms of consciousness. And like you were saying, merging them and creating something new and something beautiful, something that we've never experienced as a species or any sort of society before that we know of. Um, and I think that that, like you were saying, is definitely the future and a, a way to move forward. Um, yeah. I also really like that you said that you think that there is a conscious sort of revolution going on because that's what I've seen as well as people becoming more aware of, of these things and aware of the way that they feel inside and breaking away from these traditional aspects and outlooks on themselves, their psyche, society, things like that, and, and trying to look for answers outside of the norm. And I mean, what I, what I love about dreaming is that every night we are gifted this opportunity to receive guidance, solution, wisdom that goes well beyond us. And it doesn't require anything other than us paying attention to it. And we receive so much in return. And I think that one of the most amazing experiences that I had um, that I love to share with people because I think it's quite motivating, um, specifically for anyone who's listening to this, because, you know, I think, well, for anyone who's listening to this, who's dealing with a physical issue, like pain in the body or, you know, whatever it is, I had, um, I got some, I got something called surfer's eye on my eye. And what it is, is it's literally like a little growth that just pops up on your eye and it, nothing happens. But if it goes closer to your pupil, it can, create problems and you can lose your vision and all sorts of like scary things can happen and so I'm I can think of nothing worse than being injected in the eyeball that to me is just like <laughs> horrific horrific I have no doubt that this came to teach me something for sure but so I thought okay let me really practice healing in a dream space because I'm a huge believer of the mind-body connection I do think how we feel can emotion what you know emotion can influence our physical well-being and I had a lucid dream experience where I decided to try and heal my eye in the dreamscape and I was given water and um, by a dream figure which I drank and it didn't clear completely but I woke up in the morning and it had it had reduced 
And I went to the ophthalmologist and he told me, he said, you know, this actually does happen for some people. Sometimes it naturally just does disappear. Um, but he was like, you, you know, what did you do to catalyze it? And I said, I had a lucid dream. And I think I healed from my dream. And it was, um, I thought I was going to be met with skepticism. And actually, he asked me to teach him how to lucid dream. And so for me, that is such a hopeful space to be in. Because yes, I went to the doctor, I went and checked out that, I, you know, I, I went and fast, I sought out medical science to assist me. But at the same time, I really fully believe that consciousness and my ability to tap into that well-being of that source of well-being that we can all tap into when we dream, not just lucidly, even in regular dreaming, right, really helped me to heal something. And so for anyone listening to this, you don't have to believe it. You can just try that's what I love about this. You can just try, try and practice and see what comes up for you because that it's like the proof is in the pudding. You know, you have a mystical experience. You have an experience of synchronicity that radically changes your life. You don't go back from that because you know, there's more. It's like closing the door to this amazing, amazing experience, amazing world. Why would we do that? You know, we wouldn't, most people don't. Yep, absolutely. I had a Reiki healer on um, not too long ago. We were basically talking about the same thing that you just did is inviting energies into yourself to heal your body. And this is something that is scientifically proven through the placebo effect. Like we've just, we put a new term on it and everyone knows that the placebo effect is real. But when you tell them that what they're actually doing is they're inviting positive energies into their body to heal themselves, then it's like you're saying they start getting that woo-woo kind of they're like oh, i don't know about all this uh you might be a little out there and it's like well how do you <laughs> how can you believe that this little sugar pill is gonna heal you but you can't manifest that within yourself because that's basically all you're doing is you're taking this sugar pill and in your mind you're thinking that this pill is going to heal you so you're naturally opening yourself up to that energy to come in and actually do that work for you um and yeah, absolutely very real. And like you were saying, it's like, you don't discredit the massive advances of Western science and especially medicine. I mean, it, what we can, what we can do to prolong the health of the human body through medicine is uncanny. I mean, it's right. really, really insane. Um, but that's not to negate that we need to be going to the doctor for every little thing that's wrong with us, especially for things like consciousness and the psyche. Um, when you see people getting addicted, to like SSRIs and stuff like that, these, these really, really detrimental um, drugs that are forced down our throat when the answer to that problem is not the Western scientific view. It is the more spiritual philosophical outlook to heal yourself. I think um Exactly. And I think the art is allowing whatever both pathways of well-being to come. Right. And I think that's the the something that's very, very helpful. We have have so many resources. We have so many pathways. I think all pathways lead us back to spirit. Spirit's a word that I personally like, but for a lot of people, it's uncomfortable. But you can just call it consciousness non-physical, whatever sits well. And I think the pathways that we find are the ones that we should look at um, as sort of, you know, as simple as that sounds, I really think that is what is helpful about it, you know, that we have so many avenues 
of being able to find well-being that it is a matter of finding it and if it's not working it's not working it's time to do something else you know if you've been clinically depressed for 15 years it's not working you need to do something else and I think that that's something that's also incredibly empowering you know that like if you know I think what ends up happening for a lot of people and I know I saw it a lot in my practice when I was just practicing traditionally so you know you get so people get so accustomed to an experience that they lose hope that there's another way and consciousness offers you the other way because you don't need to know the how you just need to begin and then the pathway appears it really is true that the pathway will appear you know so it's interesting with the placebo effect um, you know, that if you tell someone like it's a placebo tablet, it won't work because that's how strong our consciousness is. That's how, how strong our ability to create is. I, I was reading a very interesting book a, a while back on um, dream yoga and the writer was saying how everything, everything in our waking reality is exactly like it is in a dream. And we are able to alter it like we are in a lucid dream meaning waking life right and the implications of that are profound because in a lucid dream you are able to do anything go anywhere meet anything create anything and you're able to do it quickly and so if you can get into a state of consciousness and I really do think it is a high high state of consciousness that in your waking life you know that if this is all dreamlike then nothing stops you from removing the table beneath you um do you even have a body I'm not so sure you know and I think that's the practice and so for anyone interested in what we would call parapsychology or in mysticism what I think is truly mysticism is the practice in merging the two worlds right merging the unseen with the seen merging western rationalism with ancient know-how you know, science and spirituality. And I think you're very right in saying that when you come to that middle pathway, I see it like the infinity symbol where you like in the middle, there's balance there, there's a divine balance in there. And I think that's really the practice, or at least that's my current practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I really like the infinity analogy that you just gave. I hadn't ever heard it described like that. And, uh, I, I might steal that from you and just put it in my back pocket. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we're coming up on about an hour or so. Um, any closing topics that you'd like to discuss? None that I can think of right now. Yes, ma'am. Well, this was very uh, enlightening and very thought-provoking. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time throughout the day. Um, man, yeah, gave me a lot to think about. So likewise, I, uh, thank you yeah, I can't thank you enough for your time. Um, is there anywhere that you would like people to find you at or reach out to you if they want to learn more about this? Thank you so much. Well, firstly, thank you for having me. It's been great speaking to you. Um, people can find me on my website. So that's www.athenalaz.com. And then through my book, I think my book's a very helpful place to start. So that's called The Alchemy of Your Dreams. And there it is. Thank you. <laughs> um, I love the cover. Uh, <laughs> love the book. It's a great book. Oh, thank you.
Thank you. And um, I guess on Instagram at Athena underscore Lass. Awesome. Sounds good. And I'll have all that linked uh, underneath the show. So that was awesome. Dr. Laz, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much.